Iron Man's an idiot and Batman's gay. This is Spoilers. <laughs> That's a good one. This is Spoilers. Hey, welcome audience. I'm your host, Pappy. Recording as always from uh, Louisville, Colorado, and tonight we're here to talk about the very complicated, semi-convoluted, uh, silly movie "Kiss Kiss Bang Bang," our second Shane Black vehicle. Uh, join me tonight. We have the almost a full boat, the regular spoilers crew, and we'll start off with our most recent host, other than Jordan, who's not on tonight, which is actually back from retirement. Your boy, Hootie Who, Stevie, yeah, let's go. gone till November. Vision Quest done. So, uh, did you feel good with the work that you did? Did you get everything you had to get done? Done? Yeah, I got confirmed in the Catholic Church in three weeks. Nice. So I feel pumped, and I worked my ass off doing it. So you super are the pumped. New Jesus character. I am the Christ-like <laughs> figure now, boys. I have the most sacraments out of all of you. Bow that's beneath not, me. That's not true. Bow beneath me, Brett. Stevie leveled up. Definitely I am, not true. I am Super Saiyan level three. If anything, you're tied with me. <laughs> Is this even his final form? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm pumped to be back. That brings us to our opening question. As a as a Christian man, what was your favorite Christmas present you've ever gotten? Did anything Ooh. stand out to you in particular? Because all of Shane Black's movies take place at Christmas. Favorite Christmas present I ever got. Hmm. This is going to sound super like cheesy, but it's the God's honest truth. When I got a BB gun when I was six years old, it was like the greatest moment of my life up to that point. Very short, <laughs> but definitely when I got a BB gun. You didn't shoot your eye out. Didn't Impressive. shoot my eye out, and we lined up cans all year round. Super awesome. It's our second reference to a movie that has some scenes in Indiana. Uh, kiss, kiss, bang, bang, of course. Uh, but let's go to our next most recent host, uh, Brett. First of all, where are you recording from? How are you doing? And then tell us, uh, what's your favorite Christmas present you've ever gotten? Uh, this is Brett from Fort Wayne. Uh, I'm doing all right. Man, I also got a BB gun, and it was awesome. But It's a great gift, isn't it? Yeah, it was. I was uh, older than you, for sure. Oh man, I don't really. <laughs> we got it. We got a Dreamcast one time when we, we knew we went into it knowing that it was only going to be out for like nine months, but we got it and it was freaking awesome. We played it nonstop, so I'll have to go with that. Jimber, you your favorite game on Dreamcast, Brett? Uh, probably Tony Hawk Two. Nice. Mm. Or uh, NBA game was so good. Hydro Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> That voice, enthusiastically screaming Hydra Thunder, was our next most recent host, Josh. You haven't hosted since September, uh, King Kong vs. Godzilla. A little bit of a drought for you, but mm-hmm. uh, tell us where you're recording from <laughs> and your favorite Christmas present you've ever received. Well, let's just be fair. It was uh, a drought ordered from the top bottom, top to bottom, so... I was kind of told. That, I was kind of told to hang back and slow my roll for a while. <laughs> the long conspiracy raises its ugly head. <laughs> this is Josh. I'm recording out of Goshen. Pumped to be here tonight to talk to you guys about this movie. Uh, I had a BB gun given to me when I was growing up. That was a really awesome gift. Um, I think, other than that, some Super Nintendo games. 
follow at Tecmo Super Bowl on Twitter. <laughs> Them Indiana boys and their BB guns, I tell you. <laughs> I think we just buried the lead there that Josh has one of the most prestigious handles any Super Nintendo fan could possibly own. But uh, last but not least, uh, hosted a, a similar Christmas movie. A movie that took place at Christmas time last. Uh, Rambo First Blood, Mikey. Uh, where are you tonight, and what was the best Christmas present you ever received? Uh, Mikey recording out of Goshen, Indiana, and we're calling Kiss Kiss Bang Bang a, a Christmas movie just because Michelle Monaghan is in a sexy Santa costume. That's all it takes, baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I uh, like Brett. I probably got like a PS1 or PS2 for Christmas that I played nonstop. Still play nonstop. You can find me on PS4. Now, nowadays, nonstop <laughs> playing, so it obviously had an effect on me. So it's probably a video game, or honestly, I, I probably got a BB gun too. Honestly, it, it seems like a, a normal thing. <laughs> you either get a video game console or a BB gun growing up. Speaking of guns, that brings us to tonight's feature film, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Like I mentioned, we're reviewing this tonight because I picked it after winning trivia on the Return to Paradise episode. And this movie. It's, it feels like a... Oh, go ahead, Brett. Well, I was going to say, what's your best Christmas present? I remember I got The Sims uh, on computer, and it was a computer game that I really, really wanted, and I didn't expect to get it, and like I was just a big nerd, so that was that was pretty happy. <laughs> I think I also got a Super Nintendo for Christmas one year, and that was really cool. Have you ever played Sim Ant? Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very scary sometimes when that spider pops on screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when he eats you <laughs> man that was a fun game what a great game uh but speaking of what might be a great movie i really don't know where everyone's gonna stand on this tonight so it's kind of exciting to talk about but kiss kiss bang bang uh has kind of a double intro and like i mentioned there's a flashback scene that starts in uh indiana but luckily for me there's some some title cards of some chapters which is going to kind of help us break this down and the first one is called day one Trouble is my business. Uh, we start with a party at Shane Black's house, and we're introduced uh, at Shane Black's real life house. And we're introduced yeah. to Harold, Harry Lockhart. Uh, Josh, how would you describe uh, f- now four movie club, five movie club, Robert Downey Jr. in this movie? Well, I think a Robert Downey Jr.'s Twitter handle, his bio is just like, you know who I am, and. He's playing that same character in this. I mean, he's kind of quirky. He's really Robert Downey Jr. ish. Um, you teased it at the beginning, Pappy. He's just uh, really slow. Um, kind of like, mm-hmm. is it Ryan Reynolds' character? And um, what's the other Shane Black movie we did? Brett, help me out here. Nice guys. Yeah, nice guys. Yeah. Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of bumbling. He's pretending to be a PI, also like Ryan uh, Gosling's character. Um, uh, he was a PI though. I thought he was was just a PI. He's, he was a PI. He's twitchy. Mm-hmm. Bad at fighting. <laughs> he walks. He walks a fine line, and that's why I want to come to you, Josh. He walks a fine line of misogyny and <laughs> an early kind of wokeness. I, I just wondered if you had any thoughts on that from a 2019 perspective, since you're our go-to oh, guy. I'd there. say the opposite of wokeness, but. Uh. Uh, well, he tries to save someone from. He tries to save Michelle Monaghan from a creeper. Well, that's, party, just, yeah. that's just what people should do. Period. But go ahead, Josh. Sorry, I don't. Yeah, go ahead and take it away from me. Like, 
No, I was going to say he makes a lot of gay jokes, so I would say that's not super woke. But that's but- the angle I would come at this issue that I think Pappy's trying to push from. Like Val Kilmer, who's an actor in Hollywood, who's very much not gay, just playing himself, but he's gay, so he can use gay jokes. Like, none of those were funny to me. Just Oh, they're... Oh. They just weren't funny to me, flat out. It, it just was not funny. <laughs> when Gay Perry says, what happens when they drag the lake? I fucking <laughs> lose it every time, though. That part's great. But, no, I see, I see what you're saying. And this movie has kind of achieved kind of a, a place of reverence in the uh, LGBTQT community as far as portraying the first openly gay action star who's gay perry and stevie i i know you love val kilmer uh what did you think of his performance in in this movie what were you thinking my two thousand dollar ceramic vector my mother got me as a special gift you threw in the lake next to the car what happens when they drag the lake you think they'll find my pistol jesus look up idiot in the dictionary you know what you'll find a picture of me no the definition of the word idiot, which you fucking are. I think he was my favorite character, to be honest oh, with yeah. you. Oh, yeah. I think he's just flat out hilarious. Mm-hmm. And I think he had like a really good command on his character. And plus, his chemistry with Robert Denny Jr. was awesome. Awesome. So anytime like those two were on the screen together, which is most of the movie, it was really fun and entertaining to watch. And I, I felt like his machismo is justified because he is a homosexual you know what i mean like in so many ways i, I wrote this in my letterbox review uh and brett i don't know if you feel the same way but this this almost feels like the cabin of the woods of uh of noir films meaning yeah. it's kind of a meta commentary on a genre as a whole as opposed to you know actually being a piece of that, that genre. right yeah no it's per- that's a perfect uh comparison Right, and and if this is a noir movie, then we have a femme fatale, and Mike, I think you mentioned her, Michelle uh, Moynihan. Wasn't she Moynihan? married to Tom Brady? I always said Monaghan, but it's probably Moynihan, I'm sure, or Monaghan was, was she or whatever. married to Bobby Moynihan? Uh, either way, <laughs> uh, Mikey, what is, can you give us a little bit of background on Harmony, how she ends up in L.A.? Because that's one of the chapters, is how Harmony got to the party. We skip like a very brief scene at the very beginning where it's like a flashback to a fair where we learn that Harry and Michelle Monahan's character n- knew each other way back when and they're doing a a magic show together or something and then they end up running into each other later in LA. But Michelle Monahan's character, what's her name? Sorry, I forgot. Harmony. Or, Harmony. Uh, yeah, she grows up uh, in southern Indiana and not a very great home. I think it's like implied that her father is abusing her younger sister. So when she turns 16, she gets on a bus and heads out to L.A. And she has all these dreams of being an actress because she reads these these uh, detective books and she sees herself as, I don't know, a I don't know why she figures she could move to L.A. by reading these books, but she feels that she could become an actress. She gets inspiration from it or something, so she leaves, and then uh, she's just kind of... I don't even know if she's an actress. She's just, like, struggling, I think. I I don't even know if she's struggling, because she has a really nice house, but I don't think she works as an actress uh, while she's in L.A. The really nice house threw me off as well. I didn't quite pick up on that. Uh, But she's at the... And you talked on it. You spoke about it too. I, the 
One of the scenes that kind of sits not right with me is uh, Robert Downey Jr. saying Papa was after her night after night, only because it feels like from our comedic lead, maybe that kind of a line shouldn't be delivered uh, there. But it is kind of important to note, Brett, do you do you have any kind of a background on, on where Robert Downey Jr. was as far as his drug uh, career? Yeah, he was just coming off uh, like he was clean and sober, and apparently... Val Kilmer didn't drink during filming to help him out. But yeah, he was coming out of some rough patches. This is like his comeback film. So that's, I would say that's where he was. Yeah. And it's hilarious too. Cause in that kind of like how Harmony got to the party, there's this robot character who breaks into <laughs> her house, which is something that Robert Downey Jr. actually did and got arrested for when he was blackout drunk. So clearly <laughs> kind of a reference to <laughs> a reference to that. But but we've set the stage, uh, Robert Downey Jr., I, I think I didn't mention this either, that he's pretending to be an actor, of course, and that's why he's flown out to L.A. Uh, that's kind of, uh, Gabe Perry is going to be a sort of detective mentor. But that brings us to day two, the lady uh, in the lake. Stevie, do you remember kind of what happens in this day two uh, with the gun and, and the car? This is where the movie the loses me, man. This is where... It gets really confusing. Let's let's work through it together. <laughs> I mean, man. Okay, so Gay Perry and what's his name? Robbie Harry. Harry and Harry, Harry Lockhart. Um, I guess he goes to follow Gay Perry, like on kind of a PI and surveillance for a role that he's going to be auditioning for. And this is where the movie completely loses me. So they're following. Who are they following? It's supposed to be the rich guy, Baxter, I think, but you don't find that out for like another hour and a half, so. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> but right now, Harry's just on work and Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. is with him. And so, yeah, this is where the movie really loses me. So they do in surveillance, they lose track, all of a sudden they're down by this lake, and this car comes plunging from the skies into the lake. <laughs> and... <laughs> Yada yada yada, bada boom, bada bing, bada boom. There's no underwear. Case solved. Dead girl. The no underwear thing makes absolutely no fucking okay, sense. Okay, can we jump to that? What happened? Uh, I was so, lost. So yeah. okay, what I think happened is the biggest logical leap in the movie is that so they they find the body in the trunk, and Robert Downey Jr. notes that there's no underwear. Flash flash forward like 20 minutes in the movie, an hour in the movie. I think Gay Perry uses that detail coupled with the fact that there was no sexual violence to indicate that she must have been at this mental institution? Is that... That's a leap, bro. Eh, I don't know if it's that much of a leap. I mean, the the whole thing is she's a born-again Christian, so it's very unlike born-again Christians to walk around with no panties on. Dude, how many girls are walking around L.A. with no panties on? At least 74%. I would say a lot. (laughs) Well, and then, you know, I I don't think he... Immediately thought that, but I mean, the Baxter owns those things, and I think he just put it together because none of it made sense why they were at each other's throats one minute, and then they couldn't keep their hands off each other in a, a figurative way and literal way, apparently, that they were all of a sudden chummy chummy. So I, I think it's just a bunch of little things. Yeah, it's, don't get me wrong, it's definitely a leap in logic. I just don't think it's like crazy, crazy. And it was more like just a like a like a hmm thought, and I think he just started thinking about it more and more, and they put it put it together. Also, the way they pres- 
present it. It's like one very quick thing at the beginning of the movie, yep. and then it doesn't come around until like the last half hour of the movie. So it's like, oh, I guess. I prefer to watch this movie like I watched The Big Lebowski, just for the funny and entertaining parts, and I really tried not to get hung up on the rest of the plot. Do you find, because I, I think we've talked about this in Big Lebowski before, and it's it's not an original point. It's something that I've heard echoed a lot, but do you think, Stevie, that it's chaos versus chaos sake, meaning that Shane Black knows the first time you watch this movie, you're going to have no fucking idea what's going on? Yeah. That's part of the idea. 100%. And I understand it's kind of like a mystery noir, and you're kind of lost for a lot of the movie, which is fun. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's good rewatchability. Just I think, like you said, Pap, it's chaos for chaos, like chaos for chaos. Or purposes. he's trying to show how smart he is. That could be too. Almost like no one told him no. <laughs> you think he had the George Lucas syndrome, Josh? No, I think this is what you accused uh, Kaufman and uh, uh, Andy Kaufman of in um, adaptation. I think it's really similar to that, including voiceover. But it's not cliche because it's so passe about the whole thing. Like, <laughs> I groaned every time it came on and it was narrating again. I really hated that. And, like, the thing about Big Lebowski is at least it has stakes and it ends. This one, like, ends so absurdistly that it it's hard to believe this does have rewatchability. Maybe it does. RDJ is a real unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. He's messing things up in his stories. He's forgetting details. And it's like kind of hard to piece together anything really about what he's narrating about. Mm-hmm. Well, what I found kind of from a rewatchability perspective is I had rented this once two years ago uh, on a drunken plane ride in which I like got really frustrated not understanding what was going on and passed out <laughs> shortly after. So this is... <laughs> This is like my my one and a half times watching it. I watched it a couple of times since then, but I found that there are a lot of headache kind movie. of subtle. There, there. It was a very panic pick. I didn't know Stevie would be back. Things would be different. If I knew that. <laughs> but <laughs> it was level up with God so quickly, bro. I'm holy, bro. Bring it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, okay. Well, so, there's a lot of subtle setup and payoffs that I think happen in this movie. But speaking of kind of an unholy word, we've talked about. The hard <laughs> F word, uh, uh, gay slur many times. And, and kind of, I, I feel like I've been pretty consistent on this where it, context matters. If, if the bully is calling someone the F word, it makes sense to me. It's not, it's not okay. If, uh, the protagonist of the Breakfast Club is using it, it's maybe a little bit problematic. But Josh, how do you feel about Val Kilmer, a straight man, playing a gay man, dropping hard Fs all over the place? Man, I don't want to get into like every nitty gritty thing about it, but to me, it just wasn't very funny. I guess I'll just leave it at that. Like, I agree. No, yeah. It, I wasn't like hurt by it. I didn't think it was like the most offensive thing at all t- of all time. It just it wasn't funny. And Stevie was talking earlier about how his character was really good and funny most of the time. To me, it was basically like, yeah, he was until that whole plot point would come up and it just totally like brought me out of the movie every time. Just, mm-hmm. it felt shoehorned in there for comedy's sake and it, I did not find it funny. So, 
is a big negative part of the movie for me. And yeah, I, I guess, yeah, I'll also say that kind of in this whole thing, that's sort of a send up of what Noir is. It's not great that it, it does get credit for having like, you know, a gay action hero. But when the whole thing's a subversion of a genre, the fact that you're only having a gay lead because it's subverting expectations. Yeah, I can see why that might rub some people the wrong way in 2019. But, but to keep moving on, day three... Uh, a lot of stuff happens. Robert Downey Jr. pisses on the body. They have to get rid of the body. They're trying to figure stuff out. But day three is called The Little Sister. And, Stevie, you said the last day is where you get lost. I, to this day, am not confident on who the pink-haired girl was. Okay, so pink-haired girl was replacement of real daughter who was also having an affair with father of real daughter. Yeah. Okay. That's what that. I believe that's it. Yep. So she's at the party that our DJ is at, and everyone's at in the first scene. Yep. And that's how they recognize him and plant the body. No idea. Huh. <laughs> Brett, do you have any idea? Help us here. You're, you're the Shane Black aficionado. <laughs> okay. Uh, I've seen like okay. I guess I've seen four Shane Black movies. Um, I mean, they just. I think they just find a Patsy, like an idiot person that they set up. I mean, I don't really know how they know they're going to be there, but that part is a mystery to me, I guess. But I mean, they <laughs> pull the daughter from the mental institution, kill her and dump her in a truck and try to frame Harry for it. So. And she was the pink haired girl in one of the films that Dexter was in, or was that just a speculative theory that wasn't true? I think I thought they just said they just found uh, someone who uh, like a lookalike. He he saw her and saw an opportunity. Lots of ins, lots of outs. No one's for sure. Some, so many ins, so many outs. And one of the things that's out is uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s finger uh, from this <laughs> point on in the movie. Uh, Mikey, do you remember what happens kind of at the party that he goes to? Kind of the aesthetic that's there uh, while he's uh, high on drugs or painkillers. Yeah, uh, they. I guess it's a, a Christmas party that Michelle Monaghan is working at, but uh, it's pretty pretty risque. Uh, there's a lot of, I don't know, like bondage stuff going on, uh, and he's pretty hopped up uh, on some drug because Michelle Monaghan smashed his finger in a door <laughs> and cut it off. So he's all Tess. hopped up and he's got it. Dem- Demerol. St- yeah, it's stitched up back to his hand, and uh, and uh, what what else does he do at this party? Uh, he gets uh he gets uh cornered by a couple of guys who uh, mm-hmm. just tell him to leave L.A. because he's been kind of poking around the wrong the wrong people, and I guess people are people are onto him, looking looking uh watching watching him now because uh, he's been hanging out with Gay Perry and. Gay Perry is obviously working on a case that these guys are running or something or uh, behind. So he's now been marked as a as a guy that needs to get out of town or else he's gonna get whacked. You're the guys who are wearing the masks. You, got- ah! you don't ask the questions. Don't ask questions. Guys, you just tore off my fucking finger. I just got this fixed. Jesus! I bet there's a doctor in New York. Clear that shit right up. <laughs> Clear it right up. <laughs> Uh, 
L.A. don't want you no more, tough guy. Right? <coughs> and there's there's some some other scenes as well. So like he he ends up getting carjacked. His finger gets like torn off again at some point. There's another scene with a pink haired girl at kind of like a taco truck uh, type situation. Um, but we come to a later romantic scene where Robert Downey Jr. and Michelle Moynihan uh, are kind of making up and they're about to have sex until Josh, what revelation is revealed about Michelle, Michelle Moynihan's uh, character? Uh, it's discovered that back in the day when they were in high school, she actually did have sex with his then best friend, Clint. McCovney. I don't remember what the last Newt, name was. Is it like Ray McKidney? That was like Chute or <laughs> Kidney McBean. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but like, uh, he he finds that out and she finds a need to like express that to him right before they're about to get busy. And I guess he just like kicks her out. And it's kind of a shocking scene, Pat, because she's like, really breaking down crying down on the street after that and she was kind of dragging him along prior to that did that shock you i mean yeah i guess like robert downey jr's character like i said he kind of has this i mean i guess we call it in 2019 white knight edge to him and i don't mean that even in a derogatory way it's just for they use that in the movie whitey nighty one scene he's staring at her boobs like his they say that his high school mascot was really like like whitey the white knight yeah. or something but <laughs> but he also like you know he takes a hard line on any kind of you know inappropriate sexual contact like he's very paranoid and and brett i actually want to come to you how did you you dealt with the spider scene okay you you were fine what uh, happened there the first time i watched it 13 years ago whatever i definitely that caught me off guard and i think I think that sort of thing should be illegal, showing one of the best things in the world and then one of the worst things in the world together. Uh, second time, I kind of oh my God. covered my face and stuff, so I, didn't I, even I, see I, knew a spider. Was, I knew it was coming. Are people following what Brett's saying? Like, he's speaking in metaphor and allegory. <laughs> yeah, there's a boob here, uh, and I didn't even see the Bag. spider. <laughs> Bags! I couldn't even see the spider behind that boob. But yeah, no, I mean, it... I was ready for it, so I didn't really see it. I mean, Josh and Brett, you guys are older than us. In 2005, was the connotation with White Knight the same as it is now? Because now it means something like completely... It's real derogatory. Yeah, different. Uh, I don't know yeah, if you remember. I, I don't know. Uh, don't even ask me. <laughs> well, back in the day, young chaps, being a knight was a very stately position to hold <laughs> within the community. <laughs> in my day, it was a high honor to be a white knight. <laughs> uh, so moving oh, on to shit. day day four, the simple act of murder. Uh, Harmony has since gone on to, quote unquote, solve the case uh, because it was revealed, like I mentioned earlier, that there was no, no sexual violence. So, of course, why would she be wearing panties uh, otherwise? Um, there, there is a hilarious scene. They, they go to the uh, mental institution, and as they're leaving, uh, they're able to kind of pull a switcheroo on one of the Dexter's thugs. And there's a Russian roulette scene gone wrong. Uh, Josh, did that make did, did that make you laugh at all? Because I think that's one of the funnier parts of the whole thing. <laughs> I think you see it coming. I mean, this this flick is no deer hunter, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he 
he's like, all right, I'm going to make you talk. And by doing that, I'm going to play Russian roulette until you talk. And obviously, each time I pull the trigger, you're going to get more nervous. <laughs> but he just spins it so the bullet's in the chamber, like, right away. <laughs> and he just smokes him. And I don't know why he aims for his face on the first one. That was maybe a little dumb. Could have been, like, a leg shot or because something. Because he said he thought it was an 8% chance. Who taught you math? <laughs> <laughs> what is that percent chance, Pappy? It's more like around 22 or something? 20? Yeah, 22. I don't know. If it's a six shooter, it's probably less than 20%. But a gun math. that has 100% accuracy, Brett, is Gabe Perry's crotch gun. Uh, do you remember the torture <laughs> scene? Which the whole reason... I, I want to say this, too, is that this reason, one of the reasons this movie is, is so fucking confusing is like... Gay Perry and and Harold, Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer are captured by the baddies. Then there's this whole scene of just like the Russian roulette scene, which serves no other purpose other than comedy because they're subsequently captured while burying that body five minutes later. So they end up in the exact same circumstance just with that that extra little bit of comedy. But Brett, they get tortured here. Uh, do you remember kind of what happens? Well, yeah, I, Robert Downey Jr. gets tortured. Harry right. gets tortured. Um, yeah. He gets a bunch of little electrical impulse things on his ball sack, and he's getting tortured. They're trying to find out something. I don't who know. Else, I, don't, I don't remember. Who else he told about the oh, switcheroo? The switcheroo. And then uh, Perry is just trying to get under this dude's skin. I, I'm guessing... He probably knows this guy uh, because they both kind of work or do stuff for Baxter. So mm. I think he realized what would get under his skin the most. And then he, my, the part Brittany and I laughed the most at is when he shot him through his pants. And then Harry goes something like, did you actually have a gun in there? I don't know. I don't want to say, I don't want to offend anybody in here. I don't remember what it was. <sighs> <laughs> no, it's hilarious. It was a- the 20th gay joke of the movie is great. Harry, look at him. He can't even say it. Uh, Why can't you just say it? I can't it? wait to have you as a patient. I bet you can. I can't wait because this is what you want. Right here. Shut up! Take a look. Shut Take a look. Up. You want some of this right here? Look at this. Huh? Sure. How about some of this? Shut up! Ah! Oh, yeah! Oh. <sighs> Homophobes never check there. Thank God you had a gun in there for a second. I thought it was like a gay thing, like somehow you guys could do that. <laughs> this wasn't a funny gay joke. It doesn't even make any sense. He's like, uh, can all gay guys do that? And it's like, <laughs> do what? Shoot another guy in the face? I don't, I don't I think he like thinks Robert or uh, Gay Perry shot him with his penis or something. <laughs> I don't know what. No, this is like when the dentist. This is Mikey. This is like when the dentist in Seinfeld turns Jewish just for the jokes. Like Val Kilmer is gay just <laughs> for the jokes in this movie. <laughs> well, doesn't he even say like? Uh, uh, doesn't somebody ask him like, "Are you even gay?" And he's like, "No, I'm swimming in pussy." Still gay? Me? No, I'm knee deep in pussy. I just. Like the name so much, can't get rid of it. Probably because Valcoma refused to say anything else. <laughs> Stevie, better scene where the protagonist uh, feeds off the antagonist homophobia. The collector or <laughs> Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Oh, God. Interweaving scenes here. That's the link. Yeah. <laughs> the high art the collector was. I have a question for you, though, Pap. Yeah. Do you think it could have been funnier if... 
Robert Downey Jr. hadn't killed that henchman before he was playing Russian roulette with that nurse or orderly at the mental institution. Oh, in the scene with the the pink haired girl? Yeah. He already killed somebody. And I think it takes so much weight away from it if like he just kills somebody again for comedy's sake. An optic standpoint, I don't think that scene would fly today. But I think it would have been so much funnier had like <laughs> had Perry thought they kinda had an understanding of each other and looked at um Robert Daniel Jr. and said, Let's play a little Russian roulette with this guy. And then he empties all but one bullet and gives it to Perry, and Perry kills the guy. I think that would have been so much funnier than just have Robert Downey Jr. kill somebody again. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Josh, what do you what do you think? I th- heard you. Well, rustling. you know that uh, old lady that they meet in the hospital, and she like pulls down her pants. Yeah, I think that they should have played Russian roulette with her. <laughs> it would have been hilarious. <laughs> I mean. I think that it's not that this film has a tone problem. The, the the problem that it has, I think it's like similar to Cabin in the Woods, where it is trying to be a noir film, but it's a wacky and zany noir film. And the moment that, that Stevie, you were talking about with the, the pink hair girl dies and Robert Downey Jr. picks up the gun and shoots shoots the uh the henchman and he's he's so like overwhelmed by this act of violence that he can't even like look at him when he shoots him mm-hmm. and he calls Val Kilmer crying like all of that does have real emotional weight because you have real actors actually acting but then yeah i mean yeah it's a scene of of pure comedy kind of undoing that so i guess it's kind of you have to either just be along for the ride or it's going to emotionally undercut everything that happened i don't know mikey did did you laugh at all at that part uh or or did that the kind of the the tone problems bother you uh i thought this movie was funny uh i laughed at there's definitely certain scenes i mean they we've skipped over a lot but when he skipped over so much there's way too many individual scenes to to talk about i became overwhelmed taking notes a lot of (laughs) funny parts like they throw uh, the dead girl outside the window and she smashes against the oh that's so funny uh garbage can or whatever and drops to the ground uh there's lots of funny scenes um but i think there's it's just the story is so confusing and convoluted that it's like, why am I laughing? What What is going on really with the story is the real question. <laughs> it's like there's funny things happening and RDJ is just a funny guy in general. He's a neurotic loser idiot in this movie. So everything he does is pretty hilarious. But you just kind of like left wondering like, why am I laughing? Like what is mm-hmm. the end goal of the movie here? So it's just uh, it's just a little confusing. There was an exchange of dialogue early on, and I missed the line where Val Kilmer says it's t- it, money talks, and uh, Robert Downey Jr. says monkey talks, and all of a sudden Val Kilmer is talking about a, a talking monkey from the future who only says ficus. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? The fu- wait, what? <laughs> like you have to be like really locked in on on every sort of exchange and every scene. But this this does bring us to kind of the last major action sequence uh brett do you remember what happens uh in the harmony chase on the la freeway and and kind of how the movie comes to its uh climax and conclusion well she realizes that uh perry's been set up by the other guy wait no that's way long ago uh oh yeah she steals the van that has the casket in it Mm -hmm. and she's trying to go pick up the guys but that didn't really work out because she's getting followed 
and uh, they're having a little romper stomper, a little whatever you call that, like a ramming into each other, and the van flips and the casket goes over and it starts hanging on the bridge, and that's kind of what leads us to Robert Downey Jr. and Perry coming, right? Yada, 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 bada bing, bada boom. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Pabby, I would like to say something about this part because... Please. Similar to how Snakes on a Plane, in my opinion, is written around Samuel Samuel Jackson being able to say, I'm tired of these motherfucking snakes on my motherfucking plane. Like, I think that whole movie is written around that piece of dialogue, and I think this movie is written around... Robert Downey Jr. falling off a bypass, catching on to an arm hanging out of a casket. Like, that part was so fantastical. Uh, it really stuck out and is maybe my favorite part of the entire movie. That's not even the end of it, though. He then falls onto he a car. He becomes James Bond. Yeah, he, like, <laughs> yeah. He's totally competent with a gun for the next two minutes and destroys the rest of the henchmen in kind of a cool way. I thought that shot was really cool, too. It was very cinematic with. And just like something original that I've never seen on screen before. Yeah, and it is kind of shocking because he's pulling on this corpse's arm. And and like I mentioned earlier, there are a lot of like subtle setup and payoffs in this movie. Like it, it, it tells us that he's really good with his hands, both as a magician early on, and he catches the cell phone to tell Harmony that that's how they're mm-hmm. in trouble, kind of in midair. So it's believable, at least within the context of the story, I guess, that he'd be able to catch uh, he has the force, the gun. a little bit of the force. So I'm with you. This is he shoots Dexter, uh, a very underdeveloped villain. Uh, he he goes to Harmony. The the ambulances come, um, and then we kind of have like the denouement here, where we're talking about the narration again of of him saying, you know, I want it to be, or I know it's lame, but it's gonna have a happy ending. Gay Perry is okay. They end up together, and then there's kind of. Or, and, and spoiler alert, Harmony actually did kill herself. The cases were relatively unrelated, right? Harmony's and sister. Harmony's sister killed herself, uh, but she really had nothing to do with the Dexter conspiracy per se, right, Brett? Uh, somewhat. She uh, she went to go look for... I mean, she kind of started the guys being out there. Uh, she saw what she was told was her father having sex with who he thought was who she thought was his daughter and had another male father figure who was committing bad familial familial I don't know crimes family crimes and she just got super depressed and hired uh, Perry to go uh, videotape him so she could bust him out and get him but she was so depressed that was like her last hope to find some semblance of a life and when that ended up being nothing she killed herself also like halfway through the movie perry tells us that yeah she killed herself and then everybody else is still like no that's not that's not what happened we got to figure out this case or whatever and perry's like she killed herself (laughs) yeah there is an epilogue here as well uh where gay perry beats up harmony's dad and there are shots fired at Return of the King. Uh, RDJ is saying it's not going to have a bunch of endings, but it's literally the second to last scene of the movie. And I guess I understand the choice to to have the gay the gay character be the the big tough guy or or whatever they say at the end of the movie. But 
did this, uh, Mikey? Did this feel too tacked on to you? This last little bit, I didn't love it. Uh, With uh, RDJ talking to the camera. No, no. so that that's the very end. But they all fly back to Indiana, and Gay Perry beats up uh, the incest dad, oh, Harmony's dad. Yeah, that didn't really fit because it wasn't funny. <laughs> so I don't think it had anything to do with him being gay. It was, he was the tough guy. Yeah, I think it was the tough guy who happens to be gay. Big tough guy. Yeah. Big, Big tough, tough guy. guy. Big tough guy. And he wanted he wanted the guy to feel bad, saying you buried her a long time ago. Like you're the reason she's dead right now. So I mean, could have done without it, but I, I didn't. I didn't mind it. I was hoping he'd kill him or something. But but it's like he's on his deathbed. He's got he's hooked up to a so air machine or whatever, and it's like oxygen. They don't even live in Indiana anymore. It just seems like a hassle to fly back to fly back there to slap this guy around and it really comes out of nowhere they flew back for the funeral and that just happened to be there they did that but to me it feels like an extra piece of morality or maybe playing into that white knight theme that doesn't fit within the context of a silly movie josh i don't know did you It's one of the last things the film leaves us with, other than because that last they've killed kind of, so many yeah. people that didn't deserve to be killed so far in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, just kind of thinking back on the scene and looking at a couple of the images from it, maybe one thing you could take away is that Val Kilmer, who is a gay person, is kind of taking out some of his anger on a staunch Midwest guy that like really deserves it, sort of thing. So, like. <laughs> I don't know. He's like, <laughs> I feel like he's taking pleasure in this in more than one way. That's <laughs> ah, a fair point. Yeah, it's fair. Should have had Michelle Monaghan kill him. See, I would have loved that more. Or like Robert Downey Jr., who's been this quasi male feminist the whole movie. Like I, to have Gay Perry do it just doesn't make any sense. To he me. says I'm not a. He said I'm not a good guy. I'm a bad guy. He said that earlier in the movie. Hey, honestly, bigger question though. When he walks down the stairs and sees the TV, and there's that girl that's in that bear commercial, like waving. What does that mean? That's the girl who was past her prime in the bar. So she's in the commercials now. Mm-hmm. It was Michelle again. It's kind of one of those subtle set up and payoffs and uh that the voice of the bear is lawrence fishburne three movie club now and that's because (laughs) joel silver produced uh the matrix and also produced this film hence the the connection there but uh, to get to the last scene real quick they they break the fourth wall robert downey jr is talking directly into the camera i think it ends like with literally like have a good night goodbye type line and then roll credits and that's kiss kiss bang bang i skipped over a lot it's a really hard movie to spoil in our format because there, there are a lot of ins a lot of outs but are, is there anything that we didn't touch on uh, that you guys would like to to talk about how close is nice guys like related to this movie because it seems a lot like the same movie to me equally as convoluted just nice equally guys as convoluted easier to follow somehow one tough know. guy one bumbling fool um really attractive person is murdered um obviously the film industry is involved people are after them i mean it's a pretty similar movie better looking actors and yeah. those guys just 
I think he likes to do buddy films with like whip crack. I think uh, it gets real confusing when you add Hollywood. Just when it gets so meta, and it's like, well, okay, well, is this on set? Is this real? Is this what is going on? Like, why are the porn and auto industry working together? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just it kind of popped in my head. I was trying to compare the two, and they're very similar. Brett, you got anything? You guys say something back there? My best guess for what we were talking about earlier is he starts to put together the underwear thing, a little couple different things together, and he realized that. Uh, what's the guy? What's the bad guy's name? Dexter Dorn from Major De- League. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Roger Dorn. I love him. Um, Dexter or Baxter, whatever. <laughs> that um, he he was an entrepreneur and he ran. He owned that mental institution. And in his mind, he says, "What would a good Christian girl be doing like that?" And uh, people in hospital gowns don't wear underwear, and that's why he asked the old lady if you have underwear on. And he just put all that little stuff together. I mean, again, it's kind of elite, but that's my best guess on that. No, but that makes total sense. And like, the problem is that that makes so much sense that Dexter owned the mental institution that I watched this movie literally three times, and I'm only now just putting that together. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think it makes sense if you like work in medicine or something. Like, I wouldn't know people take off their underwear in hospital gowns. Why wouldn't you just keep your underwear on? That seems like such a small detail to to tie everything together. So if you shart, they can take a sample of it. Oh, mm. Hmm. Mm. But that's all I have. Uh, Brett, I thought you would love... You didn't mention Corbin Burnson, who's the pops from Psych in this. Yeah, well, we were just talking about him. Yeah, Corbin Burnson. Yeah, I, I, this was actually his first... He had a production company, and this was the first movie for that. Yeah, I don't remember his name. Uh, Sean McGuire? Yeah, Mr. McGuire or whatever. He's a really well-known Christian, too, Stevie. Really? Yeah. Maybe one day he can get on my level. (laughs) (laughs) I've been at five sacraments for 20 years, man. You're way behind. Well, you don't realize that Stevie's received last rites at least nine times. At least nine. And actually, I'm wrong. I got married two and a half years ago, so that's actually probably did catch up to... Stevie then. No, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> well, I guess before we get into yes or no, that does bring us to one final segment, one we share with our friends over at Big Dumb Movie. Josh, who is the Christ-like character of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Um, I'll pull a lifeline and call in my main man, Brett, to answer this one. Ooh, um, that's a good one. Maybe the sister. Okay. Because she kind of set everything in motion just a little bit, and she was looking for trying to, I don't know. That's probably the opposite. That's more Christ like someone who's going himself, to. Man. It's got to be right, Val that's Kilmer. Trying to go, um, he came back from maybe, the dead. Maybe the other sister then. Maybe uh, Harmony. Well, I was going to say, Jesus definitely didn't wear panties, so they would have that in common. Oh, my God. <laughs> and she's not coming back after three days. That's for sure. <laughs> Val Kilmer did come back from the dead. And mm. he had the scene like Jesus in the temple where he is like whipping the shit out of that old man in the bed. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it's Gay Perry. Gay Perry is Jesus. Gay Perry is Jesus. Jesus. And on that note, let's get into yes or no. Uh, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, this is a yes. This is a yes for me. And, you know, one of the things that like we don't have time to get into are the specific 
individual references to know our classics like Chinatown or Sunset Boulevard. You know, there's specific shots that are homages to those, and there are you know certain themes like incest that are the natural. That yeah, the natural with the, the bat and everything. Wonder Girl. Um, I like this a whole heck of a lot more the second time I watched it than the first time I watched it. Uh, it went up almost like you know ten percent on my you know one to a hundred scale, and, and the reason is kind of I'm able to appreciate the setup and payoffs more. Uh, it works for me on a couple different levels. Like I said, like as as far as a send up or a spoof of the no- noir genre, I think it's really clever. I, I think it does kind of have its own merits as a noir film. But but moreover, I, I said in my opening spoiler, you know, Val Kilmer was Batman before, and Iron Man was or uh, Robert Downey Jr. was Iron Man after this, and this is this is literally the role that got Robert Downey Jr. Uh, the part of Iron Man. And it's just, it's just interesting to see two prolific uh, actors at different trajectories, but kind of coming together at this point in their career. Uh, Val Kimmer, you know, goes on to have a lot of health problems and this is the last kind of relatively big, it, it was a box office flop, but relatively famous movie that he does. And then Robert Downey Jr. goes on to anchor literally the biggest movie franchise of all time so it's kind of from a like i said from a contextual level of hollywood it works on a meta commentary but also i just think it's interesting to see you know those two guys one in the very twilight of his career and one on the verge of a humongous rebirth uh passing in opposite directions so so for all of that it's a yes but don't be surprised if your date hates this movie uh when you show it to them because it's very hit or miss uh Brett, our Shane Black expert, let's go to you next for our yes or no. Uh, this is a a hard yes for me. I love the the jokes landed for me. The witty banter. I think Shane Black writes witty banter as good as anybody. Um, you could watch Long Kiss Goodnight or Lethal Weapon. Those are all great examples of that. And Nice Guys, obviously. Um, I guess I just watch movies differently and I enjoyed it. So that's all I have to say about that. Watch movies differently than who, Brett? Some other people. The mainstream fake news. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Josh, uh, give us your yes or no. Yeah, it's a no. I didn't have very much fun watching this movie. What a Um, shock. It wasn't about the gay jokes, although I thought those were lame. I just thought it was <sighs> brought a lot of movies to mind that it just felt like a hollow version of Pulp Fiction, Big Lebowski, Brick, Nice Guys. Like it just this is better than Brick. Yes, it is. I I think Brick Coach. feels more like a Cabin in the Woods satire of a genre, where this feels like it's actually trying to be a big Lebowski. I feel like we've said that about a bunch of movies on this pod. So I'm a huge jerk probably for that. Um, I don't know. It's a no. Uh, I, I think that the, I'm not, I guess watching this movie made me realize I don't really like Robert Downey Jr. All that much. I think even though like an Iron Man, he's the main guy. His acting is really kind of a second subset to just like the visual and like Scorsese says, like the visual and audio arts of like the whole thing. It's kind of like 
the main draw and he can kind of be like a side asset. Like, I don't think he carries this film. I don't buy his humor most of the time. He's no Have Zach Braff. Have you seen Tropic Thunder, though? Yeah. Oh, that movie's not woke, dude. That movie is so woke. It's been a long time. Pick. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm open to Tropic Thunder. I don't hate Tropic Thunder, but... Yeah, this movie just it, it just didn't land for me. Sorry if I'm hurting people's feelings. It's that's it hurt it. my feelings. No, like big fans of this movie, like you are, like in other people. <laughs> no, and I think I think that's a fair criticism. I kind of expected uh, the no based on what you had said in this podcast. I will say, in RDJ's defense, uh, whether or not you like him as an actor, it is inspirational that he was a fucking you know smack addict alcoholic and this is his first movie where he's he's finally clean and it sets the stage for the rest you of his thank career Mel gibson for that yeah he had a he had a handler 24 7 on this movie monitoring him to make sure he didn't relapse yeah. because he was that fresh off of jail but i'm pretty uh, sure Melly gibbs paid for um his insurance on like a lot of his films in the mid to late 2000s really yeah because he was uninsurable well, from Jeez. one Catholic to another, Mel Gibson to Stevie, what do you give? What's uh, happening? Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh, I will give Kiss Kiss Bang Bang a solid yes. For the main reason of... I think the story is really second nature. Like, I just don't like the story of this movie. But I like the chemistry between Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. so much that it gives it a solid yes for me. Um, it's a fun movie. Uh, a lot of the jokes landed for me. Um, I don't think that makes me a bigot or anything. I just think a lot of the jokes were funny. So, uh, solid yes. Last but not least, a man who is certainly not a bigot. Mikey, what do you give <laughs> Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Uh, I don't even have any problems with uh, the gay jokes or anything. Just as long as they're... It's not about... Uh, a person who's like a person who is like clearly downtrodden or anything like there's no gay people like Val Kilmer is obviously the strongest most competent person character in this movie he's a father like figure in this movie and he's yeah he's <laughs> dealing with idiots and he's the one really saying most of these gay jokes uh so i don't really have any problem with that i just think uh Shane Black isn't too good at writing them. I think he's really good at making the physical comedy. Like, even in Nice Guys, there's hilarious physical comedy all over the place. And in this movie, too. Uh, but I think he gets kind of caught up in his own writing because both of those movies are pretty convoluted. And it's really kind of hard to follow. And the whole thing with the panties, it's just like, oh, why didn't you... <laughs> I don't like movies where it's like it all hinges on this very small detail that you obviously were not paying attention to. That is now the crux of the whole mystery in the end. It's like, dude, maybe she just ran out of clean underwear that day. It's like there's a million different things that could have happened why she's not wearing panties. Uh, so I don't know. I don't like mysteries that revolve around stuff like that. I just think it's I thought it was a little too convoluted, but I thought the humor was fine uh there's lots of physical comedy it's funny and i agree with stevie val kilmer and rdj are pretty hilarious uh working together michelle monahan is fine um it's just a story man the story is just way too too complicated for me but i'd i'd probably have to watch it again so it's a soft yes for me well there we go that's uh can i make a correction pappy 
Yes, please. Beginning of the podcast, I said Bridget Monahan was Tom Brady's baby mama. That is false. It was, I meant Michelle Moynihan. It was Bridget Moynihan who was his original baby mama. Different Monahan altogether. And Pappy, can you, can you and I have a reckoning real quick? Yeah. Why do you crap on adaptation for the voiceover in it? But in this movie, especially the scene Mikey just mentioned with like the panties where he's like, well, film goer, did you figure out the clues? Like, why, why does that get a green light for you? I hate that. Well, I think, I think that anyone who actually loves film would appreciate that. Like I said, in the context of this movie, the voiceover is a parody of other noir films like Sunset Boulevard, Double Indemnity, Chinatown, all films you haven't seen, Josh. Whereas Adaptation (laughs) is a circle jerk of Charlie Kaufman taking over a project and making it his own when he was supposed to be at it adapting a book and and i appreciate the cleverness that goes into you know referencing those classic films that you haven't seen as opposed to you know charlie kaufman stroking his own penis Uh, just sounds like you really hate charlie pap i love literally every single other movie he's ever done except for adaptation but Mm. that like i said that was four yeses five no's was that a satisfactory answer josh uh are we good now have we reconciled I love that it got you fired up, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Josh is still going to try so hard to make adaptation work (laughs) till the end of the pod. The last three episodes will be adaptation, Los Enchiladas, and Mall Rats. No! (laughs) (laughs) But, all right, we're, we're coming up on an hour here. Like I mentioned, I got to be your host tonight because I won trivia on the last episode, Return to Paradise. So tonight... We will decide the next host of spoilers in this trivia game. Uh, a new game, a riff on our friend Jordan's higher or lower game that he does on the annual uh, trivia <laughs> trivia episodes. This is Friends of Spoilers, higher or lower. Uh, and what we're going to do is based on the net worth, I have a list of 48 uh, actors, composers, directors who are have appeared or or worked on multiple spoilers films, your job will be to tell me if the net worth of your person is higher or lower than the next person. So it'll it'll make more sense if we get going. Uh, We're going to do three strikes. You're out. No need to prove, which is going to be Mikey's advantage. Uh, Mikey, the default order from most recently hosted to least recently hosted is Stevie, Brett, Josh, the new. Would you like to make any alterations to this order before we start? Uh, no, I'm good. Okay. So Stevie, Brett, Josh, Mikey, three strikes you're out, higher or lower. Stevie, we'll start with you. Robert Downey Jr., who appears in this film, has a net worth of $300 million. Jeebus. And he's in the five movie club, but... Is that higher or lower than four movie club Keanu Reeves net worth? Ooh. <sighs> and Keanu, million dollars. I th- three hundred mil. I think Keanu took back end for the Matrix. So I think Keanu has a higher net worth than RDJ. Like I said, Robert Downey Jr. is three hundred million. Keanu Reeves three hundred and sixty yes! million. So Stevie is correct. Wow. Brett, you're next. Keanu Reeves, $360 million. Is that higher or lower than two-movie directed club, Ron Howard? Oh, crap. 
Yeah, I'm really good at making trivia. I'm going to say Keanu is higher than Ron Howard. So, so your answer is lower would be Ron Howard's lower, and that would be correct. Ron Howard has a net worth of $160 million. Josh? Oh, how much money that is. $160 million for Ron Howard. Is that higher or lower than the net worth of three movie club directed Hayao Miyazaki? Castle in the Sky, <laughs> Spirited Away. I'll say lower. And, and that is fucking... Cor- oh, wait, wait, wait. You're saying Ron Howard is lower, right? Yes. That is incorrect. Oh. Hayao Miyazaki is only worth $50 million. There must be some crazy taxes in Japan. <laughs> but that's only that's only your first strike. You got lots of time, yeah, Mikey. Yeah, lots of time, lots of time. Hayao Miyazaki, $50 million. Is that higher or lower than four movie clubs, Sylvester Stallone's? net worth lower that is correct Sylvester Stallone is worth 400 million dollars Stevie is that higher or lower than six time film composer John Williams John uh, Star Wars guy right yeah solo Indiana Jones we can't clear that hey don't give him any hints six movie club He's just a composer, bro. He's not directing him. I'll say yeah, so but if you start naming all the movies he's in, he can be like, oh, it's a $400 million, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, Jones. I'll say Sylvester's way higher. And that would be correct. John Williams only worth, only worth $100 million. Only 100 What a loser. <laughs> Brett, is John Williams $100 million higher? Oh, excuse me. Is that lower or higher than six-time movie composer Hans Zimmer's net worth? Hans Zimmer versus John Williams, Brett, who has a higher net worth. That's tough. I'm going to say Hans Zimmer. That would be correct. Almost Woo. twice as much. Hans Zimmer yeah. with $200 million. No one's and killing a much it better him. contract than yeah. John Williams ever got. Composed. Uh, Lucas probably took films. all the money from him. Yeah, I was going to say. He's been working forever on these Star Wars <laughs> movies, and he's still... <laughs> he not get residuals or what? <laughs> Back Straight to, you, to Lucas. Is Hans Zimmer's $200 million, how does that relate to five movie club Harrison Ford's net worth? Say Harrison Ford's is lower. That would be unfortunately incorrect uh, for your second strike. Harrison Ford is worth uh, $230 million. So close, wow. but a little bit more. Uh, Mikey, back to you. Harrison Ford's $230 million. Uh, the queen of spoilers, Sigourney Weaver. Is she is her net worth higher or lower than Harrison Ford's? Mm, Hollywood rules, I'd say lower. And Mikey knows what two-thirds of a dollar means. Sigourney Weaver's only worth $50 million. Only. Even though she's been in, in six spoilers movies. You think that'd count for something in that town. Uh, Stevie, Vin Diesel... Compared to Sigourney Weaver, seven movie club for Vin Diesel. Is that higher or lower? I think he's close to like 600 million. I'll say Vin Diesel's way higher than Sigourney. And that would be correct. He's not close to 600 million. He's 200 million dollars. But uh, easy higher. ones. But Brett, what about yeah. all that Corona stock, huh? Yeah. Is anybody counting that? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Brett, back to you. Uh, 
Quentin Tarantino, two movies directed for spoilers, but is his net worth higher or lower than Vin Diesel's $200 million? I will say lower. Brett also stays strike-free. Uh, Quentin Tarantino, worth $100 million. How is Josh, that possible? You must get this to stay alive. Is Quentin, Taran- <laughs> Quentin Tarantino worth $100 million, but a man who has produced nine movies that we've reviewed on this podcast. Hmm. Is Kevin Feige's net worth higher or <laughs> lower than $100 million? Say lower. Oh, Josh. Mm, Josh. That is not correct. You make <laughs> a lot of money child. producing Marvel movies. I, I find it surprising. Uh, a quick Google will say that Kevin Feige is only worth $150 million. I would That's guess he has lie. options. That would yeah. make that way, way more. Uh, but, but unfortunately, Josh, you have been eliminated. So, what was Tarantino uh, at? A hundred dollars. Yeah. So that's eighty. Okay. Yeah. Mm. All of mine were just super close. Pappy, you ripped me off. <laughs> There's no long so conspiracy. Mikey, it's Mikey only a picked, Pappy Stevie conspiracy. Mikey picked this order. I had final say. No, I know I've been hosting too long, too much. <laughs> I wanted to see what you had next. I was excited to see. Uh, God knows I didn't. I'm <laughs> glad you lost. You're, you're up next with no <laughs> strikes to round out the round. Like I mentioned, Kevin Feige worth $100 million. But there's a man who's been in seven movies up there with the second most. Samuel L. Jackson. Is he worth higher or lower than Kevin Feige? Um, man. I want to say... Uh, I'll say Sam. And that would be correct. Almost, again, twice as much. Samuel L. Jackson worth $220 million to Kevin Feige's That Kevin Feige number is fake, though. Not surprising that there's there's complaints on trivia. Back to Stevie. All of our contestants still have zero strikes. Samuel L. Jackson worth $220 million. But Ben Affleck, Six Movie Club, is that higher or lower? Than two hundred twenty million. I hate this. I don't know what his producing game is. Um, he did do Argo. I'll say Batfleck is higher, but it's probably wrong. Lower. I think his divorces have hurt him. He is lower <laughs> by almost half. Uh, six you didn't movie factor cl- in his social life. Six movie club Ben Affleck uh, worth one hundred thirty million dollars. That's your mm. first strike. But you're still in the game. Still plenty of time left. Brett, Ben yeah. Affleck, 130 million. But Bradley Cooper, who's been in five movies, is that more or less than 130 million? Uh, I will say Bradley Cooper is lower. And that would be correct again. Bradley Cooper worth a hundred million dollars. Mikey, three-time movie directed club Sam Raimi is his net worth higher or lower than Bradley Cooper's 100 million dollars uh hopefully higher he's been around a while I'll say higher unfortunately I couldn't believe this is true it's significantly lower Sam Raimi is again only worth 60 million dollars do you have gambling Um, issues no idea (laughs) the man did Spider-Man made a lot of bad movies so we have Stevie with one strike, Mikey with one strike, Brett strike list. Back to the top of the order. Sam Raimi worth $60 million, Stevie. But Roger Deakins, who is the king of cinematographers for spoilers in uh, providing that service for four of our films, is his net worth higher or lower than Sam Raimi's? Higher. 
That would be correct. Uh, Roger Deakins worth $84 million. The man never uh, stops working. Brett. That's pretty cool. F- yeah. Speaking of kings, our, the king of directors is Denny Villeneuve. Is he worth more or less than Roger Deakins? His longtime partner. $84 million. Four movies yeah. directed for us by Denny Villeneuve. I'm going to say Villeneuve is worth less. And that would be correct. I found this shocking. Uh, Denny Villeneuve only worth $16 million. Again, the Canadian Whoa. tax rates just fucking us, o- fucking them over. Uh, Mikey, Kurt Russell, Seven Movie Club. Higher or lower than Denny Villeneuve, $16 million. <laughs> Much higher. Much higher is correct. That would be $70 million for Kurt Russell. Back up to you, Stevie. Shake Gyllenhaal. Is he worth more or less than $70 million? Gyllenhaal? Um, Gyllenhaal. Seven Movie Club, like Kurt Russell. He made a lot of bad movies. What was it, $70 million? $70 million. I'll go less. I bet he's around 50 That's a good guess. Jake Gyllenhaal is worth $65 million. Let's go. Brett? Yeah. Natalie Portman. Uh, more or less than $65 million? Yep. All that heat money. Five movie club, Natalie Portman. I will say more. Uh, I like the where your head's at, but unfortunately that's incorrect. She's worth $60 million. Oh, gee, that's close. Mikey, $60 million was Natalie Portman. Alec Baldwin. Uh, Alec Baldwin and higher. And four movie club is higher, $65 million. Uh, back to the top of the lineup. Let me move down my little counter. Stevie, Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Did he file for bankruptcy? Or <laughs> movie club, Nicholas Cage. Oh, I hate this because uh, at one point I think he was worth a fortune, but I think he kind of went Tyson on it. He said $65 million was Nat- or was uh, Who was the last one? Alex 60 Baldwin. Was Natalie. Oh, yeah. Alex 65. Baldwin at 65. I'll say Nick Cage is worth less. And that would be correct. He's worth $25 million there we nowadays. Go. Brett, Ethan yeah. Cohen, two movies directed. Uh, I'll say he's worth more. And that would be correct. He's worth $60 million. Uh, Mikey, Warwick Davis, eight movie club, our king <laughs> of spoilers. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to say less. And it is significantly less. $8 million for Warwick Davis. Pay that Brett, man. Er, sorry, Stevie. Forrest Whitaker, five movie club and one lazy eye. Gee. How much is Warwick worth? $8, Eight million. million. As many millions as movies he's been in for us. Yeah, I, I Forrest, like, I feel like he's in a bad movie every other month. I'll say Forrest Whitaker's worth more than $8 mil. And that would be correct. He's worth $40 million. Brett. God. Easiest. Terry Gilliam, two movie club. Uh, Directed. Uh, Time Bandits and Fisher King. I will say he is worth... Classics. More. Weren't those both punishment movies? Uh, no, Time Bandits is the best of spoilers. It's still and... a punishment movie in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> but, but either way, Brett, you said more, correct? Yeah. And you're right. Yeah, $50 million for Ooh. Terry Gilliam. Uh, Mikey, bottom of the order, Steve Buscemi. Buscemi? Five movie club. Um, Buscemi. Uh, he's not a leading man. And he's not very attractive. 
Not a lot of ad money. Yeah, I'd say lower. And that would be correct. Buschimi worth $35 million. Uh, Give me some scallops, Buschimi. Back to the top of the order. <laughs> Our contestants are on fire, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Stevie, Danny Elfman, sixth movie composer for spoilers. Ooh. Is that more or Ugh. less than Steve Buscemi? So? How much is Buscemi worth? $35 million. I'll say Danny's worth more. That would be correct. I have him at $50 million. That's the worst. Uh, Brett, back to you. Mark Hamill, Five Movie Club. More or less than $50 million. I am going to... It's it's, it's way less. And it is way less. Way I don't know less. how... You, very confident, but yeah, only $18 million. Yeah, I Mark couldn't believe it. Is he divorced like three times? Good lord. No idea. Uh, Brett, or sorry, Mikey... Uh, Speaking of divorce, Eric Clapton. Yeah. <laughs> Mikey. <laughs> Brought it back. $20 million. Josh has been such a non-factor in trivia lately that he's developed a bit to do while he's out. <laughs> and I love every second of it. Larry Fishburne, Lawrence Fishburne, Three Movie Club, more or less than $18 million. Um... Um, more. That's correct. Twenty million. We might get to the bottom of this list. Somebody uh, get this Do you man realize you said twenty million about a minute ago? No, Mark Hamill is eighteen. Larry you Fishburne's said, twenty. Yeah, when you listen to it back, you said twenty million. So for what? You must Mark have accel- You must have gone ahead in, on accident. If we make it to My the bad. bottom of this list, can we all agree that I'm back in the game? Yes. Yeah, I'm cool with that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so let's, let's, go! let's count that. And then we have to meet Stevie. up at 7 Eleven and fight to see who wins spoilers. <laughs> Four movie club Val Kilmer, higher or lower than 20 million? Oh, this is going to be one of those trick ones. Um, higher or lower than 20? I'll say he is higher. And that would be correct. 25 yeah! million. All that Brett snowman who, money. Brett, who complains about easy ones? Uh, Ridley Scott, king of directors, <laughs> higher or lower than Val Kilmer? I'm going to say higher. Um, yeah, that's correct. Nice. $400 million <laughs> for Ridley Scott. Uh, Mikey. Let's go. Tilda Swinton, five movie club. Is she lower. higher or lower than Ridley lower. Scott? Lower. $10 million. Uh, Stevie, back to you. Taika <laughs> <laughs> Waititi, three movies directed. Is that higher or lower than Tilda Swinton's? Ooh. 10 mil? 10 mil oh, for Tilda Swinton. I don't, I don't know what the taxes are. With the New Zealand. Let's just get this game over. I'll say Tyka's higher. That would be incorrect. Yes! It's time to go to bed. Stevie pretending like he meant to get that wrong. Classic. <laughs> Brett. Is he out? Pap, we're going to run out. I've only had two strikes. We're going to run out. Brett. Yeah. Our king of spoilers, Anthony Daniels. Is he worth more or less than Taika Watiti? How much was Taika? $3 million. Oh, I'll say more. That would be correct. Anthony Daniels worth $8 million. Mikey, J.A. Boyona. Bayona? <laughs> Two movies directed. <laughs> Which ones? Uh, the Jurassic Park second one and A Stranger Calls. Or what, what was that movie called? A Monster Calls? Uh, oh, that was a good movie. Yeah. I want to say he got $8 million just for Jurassic, so I'll say more. Mikey's on his second strike. Ooh. We might not get through this list. He is worth less than Anthony Daniels. 
Uh, Stevie, back to you. Hard deal there. Joe Russo. Two movies directed. What movies did he direct? Uh, The Avengers films. Or the Infinity War and Endgame. Okay, so what's the number I'm going up against? 2.5 mil. 2.5? I'll say uh, Mr. Russo is worth more. And that would be correct. He's worth 10 million. Brett? Yeah. John Watts. Ten million dollars. He directed two movies for us. What movies? What? Uh, both Spider-Man films: Homecoming and Far From Home. I will say less. That would be correct. Only a few left. Mikey, Michael Giacchino, our king of composers, <laughs> our king of composers, with eight movies that he's composed the score for. Is that higher or lower than John Watts's one million dollars? What's the uh, biggest movie there that he's done? <laughs> uh, he did the Spider-Man's and Incredibles uh, two. Ooh, um, and Coco. He's a he's a Disney guy. Higher. It's correct. Six million dollars. Stevie, John Musker, two movies directed. Higher or lower than six million dollars? Oh. Do we spoil Mermaid or we just do Aladdin? We've only we've only done Aladdin, but this is overall net worth. Okay, so was it six mil? Was the one? Yep. I'll say Mr. Musker is worth less. That is correct. Oh, Five million dollars. I I want to say for the record, I've had this many questions for spooky spoilers for like ten movies now in three years, and we've never gotten <laughs> through them. But somehow, this is the list that we're getting through. All right, Brett, yeah. Kenny Baker versus John Musker. How much was John Musk or whatever? Five million. Kenny Baker, five movie club. Ah, man. I will say... Isn't he dead? No. (laughs) Who is it? Well, you can't be rich and dead. R2-D2. Kenny Baker. Five five million. Anthony Daniels Daniels was eight million. Factor in the time bandits. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to say less. Balls of gas and correct. Uh, $2 million for Kenny Baker. Mikey. Small people got no crime. Andy Muschietti. Two movie director. Muschietti. Uh, higher. The It Films. Oh. Oh. Uh, okay. I'll say higher. Yeah. Sorry. We got to take the higher answer. And unfortunately, you're out. But oh. I guess... Oh. Until we get to the end of the list, then we're all back in. Uh, Wait, you only million he has dollars. less than... And he's yeah. done both of the It movies? His net worth, according to Google, is only $1 million. Only. Bad deal. How many are left? Yeah. Bad contract. Uh, we're at 45, and there's 48, but the last one will be a closest to if we get there. Uh, so, Stevie, to keep the game going, Kieran Sa. Five Movie Club, Legend, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Solo, The Force Awakens, and The Last Jedi. He is the little person who appears in Tim Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory playing the Oompa Loompa, mm. but he is in the Five Movie Club, one of our most prolific actors. Is his net worth more or less than $1 million? Kieran Sa. Who? K-I-R-A-N-S-H-A-H for the audience at home. Shah? Shah. 
Kieran <sighs> Calkin. Isn't that one of the Calkin kids' names? Yep. Yes. Is he worth more or less than Andy Muschietti? <laughs> I want to see how badly he's being exploited, so I'll say he's worth more. <laughs> and your new host of spoilers. Good. It got down to question 45, but Kieran saw it's only worth $400,000. Brett, you've won trivia. Our last three were James Cameron, Steven Spielberg, and George <sighs> Lucas, who uh, that we'll save for another day. But, Brett, you won. Hey. I know my movie. Do you want to kick it to Spoiler Man? We'll kick it to Spoiler Man real quick and then come back for your for your movie. Spoiler Man here. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. And we're back. Brett, what do you got? All right. So I get crapped on all time for picking movies that are automatically going to get yeses, which is bullcrap. You love the Oscars, Brett. You're 100%, right? We are going to. Next yeah, I do have picture, 100%. Brett. I'm guessing that might change. Um,. I'm picking a movie that has a 36 rating on Metascore. And we are going to be watching the 1989 classic Turner and Hooch. <laughs> Alright. Never has seen anybody it. Has anybody seen it? Never seen it. Hooch Split. dies, right? Whoa, dude. It's 89, whether you've seen it or you haven't. <laughs> Turner dies. That's right. Turner dies, then Hooch barks at his funeral. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's well, Two Movie Club, Tom Hanks, coming at you next week. Thank you for listening. That was spoilers. We can uh, stream Turner on Hooch on Disney Plus next week.